poker's legendary champions, next generation stars, and tireless ambassadors of the game, sharing their wisdom and guiding your journey to high achievement on the green felt. This is Tactical Tuesday on Chasing Poker Greatness with your host, Brad Wilson. Welcome, 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 my friend, to another episode of the Chasing Poker Greatness podcast here on Tactical Tuesday. It looks like my co-host, John, is finally back from battling at the streets of the World Series of Poker. John, welcome back to the show. How you been, man? We actually haven't talked in a couple of weeks. Yeah, I know. It's been a couple of while. Uh, it's been a couple of weeks since we recorded one of these since I've been in Vegas. Uh, yeah, I was just out there for about 10 days grinding uh, some live cash and uh, just, I don't know. I actually hung out with a bunch of villagers too. Um, met up with uh, a couple of friends from outside, a couple of poker friends from outside the village and, and met some villagers for the first time. So yeah, it, was a, it was good. It was a good time. We actually, um, four of us got together and uh, played like one two plo we were just like all drinking and just like whatever just have trying to have a good time and relax one night and uh what's really impressive is i'm pretty sure i i, I don't know because i was i've been drinking a lot by the end of the night i'm like 90 percent sure that all four of us booked a win <laughs> that session nice who were who the villagers uh so it was me umberto and uh mike lukic and then uh, I had a friend of mine who's who's not in the village that was also in town to play like a handful of tournaments, and and he hopped in, and we're all like playing props and whatever, just having a good time, and, and somehow we all like came out with like a little bit of extra money despite nice. none of us really trying. <laughs> that that's a good way to have some fun with friends, Lukic and Humberto. Um, also, some of the top players in the group as well. So I guess it does yeah. make sense that they were able to book a win despite maybe adverse circumstances. That were, <laughs> were they drinking as much as you were? I, yeah, they were, everyone was just, everyone was into it. Like no, it really like no one was like trying really hard at the poker. Like everyone was way more concerned and tilted about like losing props, like losing $5 to each other in props <laughs> than we were about like the $150 pot, like in the middle of the table. Um, I think like yeah. people at the end of the night, like people were trying to like table change onto our table, like, People, people who were people who were trying to win money. Um, yeah, that was just that was, it was a fun experience. I mean, that's that's I think that's like the the side of the World Series that, um, uh, or like that's just like another side of the World Series that's like not like the oh I'm just there to grind money and and you know play 1500 tournaments and live cash in all my free time. Like it's just like by far the best uh, the best way to like get to meet other people in in poker or like people in your community that you've never met in real life yet or something like that. And, and I always like, I always see people just like people from like Korea and like people from like when I used to play poker in, in college, like just tons of random people show up at the world series and, and you run into everybody there. Yeah. Uh, I know I've said this multiple times in interviews that I've done this past week, this will probably get released ahead of them. So this will be the first time the podcast listener hears it, get prepared because you're going to hear me say it many times, but like the WSOP, this year is the first year, you know, people have asked, they're like, oh, so you're going to miss the WSOP. And this is the first year that I feel like I've actually missed it. That like, I wanted to be there or I want to be there and I'm not going to be there. I've not gone many, many times, but after doing CPG, 
and meeting, you know, hundreds of people throughout yeah. not yeah. just the village, but people in the poker world, like all the people you've interviewed. Yeah, exactly. It, it's yeah. like this one magical time of year where everybody's just goes to one centralized location and hangs out for about a month. And yeah, yeah I'm getting the, I'm getting the FOMO. I think yeah. this, this may be, as long as I'm in the poker content creation space, this might be the very last WSOP that I don't go to just because I should be there. Like I just see pictures and everybody's having fun. And I know like it, no matter what the picture is, if there's like 10 people in the frame, I know at least one of them. And like, <laughs> yeah, it's just kind of absurd that I'm not there. So very jealous. And next year, next year is going to be pr- the start of probably a yearly tradition. Yeah. The, la- the last thing that I'll add to that is that having the WSOP in the fall and not in the summer was like, per- it was just perfect weather every single day uh, in Vegas, just not hot, not cold. You just wear pretty much whatever you want and, and it's just comfortable outside. So you miss the you miss maybe the only fall WSOP that that will ever happen in our lifetime. Ah, uh, don't say that. Let's let's hope there's more pandemics that go on. <laughs> <laughs> Pushes to the fall. Um, well, you're you're going to be moving out there eventually anyway, so yeah, you know, there'll be reasons to go. Even yeah. e- even more. Um, but yeah, I can't I can't the summer is just going to be hell on earth. This is probably the best WSOP of my lifetime that's going on right now because yeah. of, of the weather and everything. Yeah. All right, let's 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 look at a hand. Um, yeah. Now that we've properly caught up, let's break down this hand. We've loaded it up into the Poker Coaching Easy Hand Replayer, uh, giving, them, giving them a little plug because I, I do make content on PokerCoaching.com um, and do a live play and explain once a month. So you open the cutoff to 60 villain three bets you to 220 and for this hand we have 300 big blinds deep stacks yeah i guess for the podcast listener just like to set it up like this is we're playing eight-handed live cash 1020 <laughs> with a big blind annie and uh everyone or i guess like the important players in this hand are 6k effective uh me and the button yeah i skipped through all of that we actually had to like spend the last five minutes redoing everything because I, I messed up the inputs, um, kind of bulled my way through. So you open pocket fours to 60, the button three bets to 220, the blinds get out the way and you decide to flat. I guess yep. this is first question here, pure flat with all your pocket pairs facing button three bet at this depth. Yeah. Um, I mean, <laughs> I guess we should preface this like entire episode by saying that a lot of my problems came from like playing at depths that I'm like not used to playing at. But at like a hundred big blinds, I would certainly flat all my pocket pairs, uh, cut off versus button. I, I don't think that's something that changes with depth though. So yeah, I would just flat every pair that I open in the cutoff. And how, I'm guessing you're just buying in 300 deep. Did you run it up? No, oh, no, I I I uh I'd run it up. Um, I I think I was in for like. 2K. I usually I usually start with like uh, 100 big blinds at 1020 or bigger. Good. So at least so, something that we've talked about has rubbed off. You're okay yeah, playing 100 yeah. big blinds deep. Yeah. That that heartens me, John. It heartens me. Maybe that that that's honestly like a, that will have to do with like my thought process in this hand because it's like you know I'm I'm playing like a little bigger bigger than I usually play and I'm like having a good session and whoa I flop a set. Nice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, you, but things get things go. Get harder. 
Um, so you flop a set. The flop is queen of clubs, eight of hearts, four of clubs. So you flop bottom set after defending uh, against a three bet. You check, and villain bets 160. So they bet a third. Any thoughts on villain sizing here? Seems pretty normal to me. No, this is uh, pretty much exactly what I would expect uh, a reg to see bet uh, after three betting preflop. So not surprised by the sizing at all. Yeah. Tell me about your decision. You check raise to 660 with your bottom set. Yeah, I think, um, you know, I think you can kind of go one of two ways strategy wise on this swap. I think playing a no raise strategy is totally reasonable and just flatting every single hand that you continue with. I thought that uh, it would be okay to play a strategy that includes some raises, especially on a board where I think my opponent is going to uh, perceive me to have like a bunch of draws that are that might find a raise here as well. Like I'm, I think like it wouldn't be crazy for him to think that I'm going to show up with like clubs or even like super strong hands like jack nine of clubs or jack ten of clubs. Um, um, and even like weaker. I mean, they're definitely like weaker weaker combo draws too, like five six and six seven of clubs. So I just thought that like when I have a super strong hand on a board where it could easily be the case that the button perceives me to have a decent number of bluff check raises um, that especially with a hand like bottom set that unblocks top pair and even whatever 8x that my opponent might have um, it's just going to be one of the ones that I throw into my check raise uh, check raise range and sizing here the 660 um, my main thought with like sizing on the flop in this spot is just like thinking about uh, what sizes i would need to like comfortably get stacks in on the river that's like one consideration that i have and um i mean this size makes it pretty easy to get stacks in on the river without like some overbet somewhere um and then i think maybe like if we had been like uh shallower i would have picked a you know maybe two and a half x to like three x sizing but given that we are 300 big blinds deep um i decided to just bump it up to four x and why is it important to get stacks in on the river it's that's i actually think that that's something that i put like way too much uh i just like put way too much emphasis on it's like it's fine to like overbet the river it's not like you know it's not like oh if i have like 30 big blinds above pot on the river like that's some disaster or anything like that but i don't know it's just some some way that i'm like conditioned to think it's just a way that i'm conditioned to think when i have like a hand that i'm planning on the flop so why is it that you want to be all in on the river? Let's put it that way. Because I have a bet. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. Got a set. Um, so the way that the way that this works is that you want to be all in on the river because you want to be the one who puts the last bet in. You don't want to make the river an optional an optional two bet game. Because if you make the river an optional two bet game, villains tend to bluff catch with their best with their bluff catchers naturally, and then they tend to put in the last bet whenever they have a hand that <laughs> um, merits putting in the last bet, which is typically going to be their strongest hands. So, like basically, you don't want to let bluff catchers off the hook by only calling one bet and then letting you know their top sets put in the last bet because that's very bad for us, especially being out of position. So, like. That's the major reason why you want to be, when you make it to the river here, you want to be playing it for one bet, whether that be a slight over bet, whether it be a 1.5x over bet, whether it be 70% of the pot, you do want it to be a one bet game. Yeah. Okay. 
that's a good explanation. I mean, like, I, I, I think exactly what you're saying about like when you're out of position and you know your opponent is really not incentivized to like bet river with bluff catchers, um, but they are probably going to call a decent amount of time with bluff catchers, especially when a lot of front door draws brick. Brick, um, yeah, I guess just just putting it putting the money in yourself on the river is is really important. Right. So it means that like you want to play a one bet game or a three bet game. Not really a two-bet game. A three-bet game, you bet, fill in raises, and now we have the option to jam, right? So, like, we still get to put the last bet in out of position. Gotcha. Okay, so just for clarity, like, what what would a two-bet game be? Like, where... If you're out of position? Describe a two-bet game, yeah. I mean, a two-bet game on the river, if you're out of position, it could be uh, a small bet to induce, something like that. Yeah, yeah, um, okay, okay. Where you want villain to put in the last bet with a lot of their bluffs uh it could be you know typically you you want to have a very strong range like you want to be able to have top of range so that if you do bet villain jams we can call this bet like we we don't let villain just play very well is that if does that make sense yeah gotcha it's like checking to induce on the river is that like part of a two-bet game it can be or it can be it can be checking range to check raise right so that like it's a two-bet game but we're putting we're now putting the last bet in Gotcha. Okay. Okay. We want to put the last bet in is basically the moral of the story. We want to be the ones putting the last bet in when we're out of position. Gotcha. Okay. Um, so yeah, back to the hand. The button calls the six sixty uh pretty quickly. The turn is the five of spades. Um thought it was pretty uh just like kind of innocuous turn card, I guess. A complete six seven suited, which um I don't know if like button is like three betting that pure uh i don't think it would be i don't think it would be unreasonable to three bet six seven suited pure cutoff versus button at 300 big blind so um but other than that 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 does seem like the only only hand that that really changes on this turn card um so i just continue with my plan of trying to get all the money in by the river and i bet 1200 on the turn uh i think that's about two-thirds pot i don't know that i love it okay so this is going to contradict some things that were just said, but with with bottom set here, like this five is not super innocuous because it does connect six seven. It yep. makes five six a pair and five seven of clubs a pair. So basically, it reduces the combo draw portion of your range quite significantly to jack yep. ten, jack nine, and nine ten of clubs. Yep. So like instead of having six combos, now you have three. And I do think that is a significant difference. And so you are like part of what you're assuming there is that like I would check the turn with like my turn fives. I'm assuming that, yeah. yeah I'm also yeah. assuming that you're not going to be super thrilled to bet the turn with Jack Ten of Clubs or Jack Nine of Clubs or Nine Ten of Clubs, uh, because you don't want villain to jam. Yeah. Uh that's I was not expecting to get jammed on here though. Like that's just like something that I almost don't worry about that i mean that's that frequently that's fair that like so even if you're not worried about getting jammed on i still think that like the five the five does change things um yeah yeah it's harder for you to have bluffs on the five basically yes yes and you you certainly have six full combos of eights and fours yeah i would not check raise eights like in in reality i think like eights would be like one of the sole plays that i have like 
like you said, like one of the things that's important is like making sure you get to the river with like some strong hands. And you're not just check raising every strong hand that you have on the flop. And I think like middle set would be kind of like my threshold for um, like check raising where I would check raise bottom set pretty liberally and, and flat a lot with middle set, especially with a club. I don't know. Just I, I think eights would be I would flat. And then like How I think I would also have a few more bluffs. Like I would have like jack 10 of hearts, nine, 10 of hearts, you know, those sorts of hands. Moving beyond your strategy. What do you think villain's strategy is going to be versus check raise check? Uh, probably over checking behind, like not not stabbing very frequently on the turn. So you have aces here. Villain I mean, checks, you're checking back aces. I think hands like aces and kings might find a value bet on the turn, but I think like a hand like queen jack or like maybe even like ace queen. King Queen? Uh, maybe Ace Queen finds a bet. I, I was like thinking like King Queen, like well, how would King Queen feel about check raise check? You how know, are these how hands, hands effectively like different than Aces and Kings? Ace Queen. Uh yeah, in the sense that like I would, you know, could conceivably check raise Ace Queen on the flop and check the turn. What I'm what I'm saying is like the relative strength of Aces is yeah. pretty much the same as Ace Queen. I disagree. I think like not having the, I think like beating a queen and and all at the same time not blocking a queen is is worth you know a decent amount. So you tie with ace queen. But uh, anyway, basically in in the discussion of your flop check raise, there was no like queen x in your range. Oh, uh, there's okay, no queen. There eight. would be. Yeah. Oh, I, I mean, I don't think I would have queen eight, but I would have ace queen. Okay, so you have ace queen. Yeah, yeah. So with aces, they beat ace queen and ace queen chops with ace queen, right? That's what you're saying. Yeah. yeah. Maybe, maybe villains check behind a lot in this spot. I don't know. In my experience, versus like check raise check, they tend to they tend to overstab. Oh, like, interesting. I, I, my guess would be that they understab, but I don't know. I, I don't check raise check that often. So. Yeah. Well, I mean, if you have ace queen, like the, that's the line you're setting up for is check raise check. Or yeah, maybe, maybe even king queen as well is like right, the, right. that's why you check raise with ace queen and king queen so that you can check raise check and be in this spot. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So anyway, you decide to bet the fours on the turn. Uh, I I would be very tempted to check honestly. Like, I, I would be quite tempted to check. But after what happened, I was like, maybe I should consider checking like something other than betting. I think I just think your bet on the turn is going. Like your bet on the turn is very strong. Like, I would, I would, I would be considering folding aces on the turn versus your bet. To be honest, I mean, think about your range. Think about your range. Like, I don't know. Oh, I just thought that like on queen eight four two tone, I would get credit for having tons of stuff that isn't super strong. Yeah, the five. Like I said, the five reduces combos. Like it, it's yeah. not as innocuous as I, I think you thought it was. Right, right. Um, with that said, I mean, villain does something that, <laughs> that is fairly unanticipated. So you decide to bet twelve hundred. You go for the two yeah. thirds. And he set, just piles the five k. <laughs> yeah, setting up a river jam, and they just put the last bet in for us here on the turn. Like. In my mouth when this happened, I couldn't. Be- I couldn't believe it. I-, I was just like, I just never expected to get raised or jammed on. It happened, and this guy was like, I don't know. He seemed like a, a decent pro, like a good pro. He wasn't 
wasn't his first time playing (laughs) higher stakes live cash for sure. Yeah. So, I mean, what's your thought here? Like after facing the jam, after betting and jamming, like, first of all, first of all, um, you're at the top of your range. I guess we can start there. Like, yeah, this is actually the best end. Well, you have six, seven of clubs. Okay. You got one better hand. Right, right, right. I don't know. (laughs) I just, I felt sick when this happened. Like, okay. Like on the surface, it seems a little bit insane. Just to fold the set and a three bet pot. Um, but I don't know, after thinking about it for like 10 more seconds, it's just like the, my opponent is so unincentivized to jam bluffs in position, um, that it almost makes it hard for, you know, and I don't think that they're overplaying hands like aces and Kings, um, in this way. So yeah, it, it almost feels like I should fold the turn, honestly, like thinking about this hand. Yeah. It's very odd that they have a jam on the, I don't think they should to be honest with you. Like, yeah, I agree. I, I don't think they should, ha- I, I don't think they should be jamming anything on the turn, but if they do have like a value jamming range, then I guess it makes sense that they need to have some equity driven jams as well. I'm influenced by the hand that they have, but I mean, God, I, I, I can't, I can't imagine there's hardly any equity driven jams that I think are good here. Like, Maybe the only hand is like the hand that they have that I'm not going to say good, but reasonable. You don't want to jam Jack 10, 9, 10 or Jack nine of clubs. Those would be atrocious. Like then you're just, you block all the possible hand equity driven hands that like you could have. Right. Yeah. Should we just tell the audience what happened just so that we could talk about what hand they had? And like, yeah, actually- they had the ACE three of clubs. So yeah. they had, they turn a gut shot to go along with their nut flush draw and end up jamming. Um, which like I said, we know that, that because I, we, we know that because I ended up calling. Right. You, you do call. Yeah. It's, I, I, I think like ACE Trey, the reality is you either have a set or you have a hand like Jack 10, Jack nine, nine, 10 of clubs and ACE Trey is actually or hearts, hearts. Okay, so hearts, but either way, like Ace yeah. High is beating those hands, right? Right, like, right. That's that's what's problematic is that like Ace High is winning against those hands and losing. That's why the I, I was going to say that I thought that Ace Three of Clubs is like makes less sense than Jack Ten or Jack Nine of Clubs to to jam in the spot. Like at least then, like sometimes you you know we both make flushes on the river and you have the nut flush like on, you know, and that's not and you're gonna be you're gonna get me to fold like Ace Three of Clubs. Uh, if you jam the jack ten of clubs, I think maybe six place. six tray of clubs. Like maybe yeah, that's okay, like maybe okay, that's yeah. that's like the the one that makes more sense yeah. is like yeah. because then you could have the jack ten, jack nine, nine ten. Yeah, I mean he has to three bet the six three of clubs. Three yeah, plot, but yeah, to to get there. But we're just trying to find yeah. find one hand that makes sense here. Um, yeah, I think those hands make make more sense than like nine seven of clubs. Nah, the nine. We don't want to have the nine <laughs> yeah. of clubs. Like. I guess the seven makes sense because you, at least then you block the six, seven of clubs combo, but like you're also blocking nine, 10 and Jack nine. So you're just targeting your range here is very nutted and it's, yeah. I, I don't even know what to say. I just don't, I don't think it's good. That's it. That's all I say. I don't think it's okay. good. <laughs> so given that you don't think it's good, what do you think about my call? I don't think my call is good. I don't think your call is good either. <laughs> I, I think you should probably just fold like, and 
yeah, it, it just goes back to should we be betting the turn? I mean, although this is like a very low frequency play. Yeah, I don't know. I've got so many questions about this hand that like I'm, I'm just not sure. I would start out by checking the turn and then kind of going from there and jamming versus stabs and then going and playing rivers, basically probably just ripping rivers, like overbet ripping on blanks. Wow, that would be a huge gem. That would be like almost 10x pot. 3x? There's eighteen. There's 1,800 in the pot once you check raise the flop, right? Oh, right, there's... There's eighteen hundred. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, it's never mind. I was like, looking at the I was looking at the number on the screen. Yeah, yeah. It's like two point five x. So it's not anything crazy. Yeah. Maybe we could make an argument for like fifty percent pot or a small bet to induce, so that we can give villain a chance to put it the last bet in with their bluffs on the river. Yeah. Yeah. Instead of instead of outright jamming, like maybe that's that's a potential thing. Are you checking range on this turn? Um, yeah, I think so. Like, okay. I think if you're going to check this end, you kind of just have, you're forced into the check range. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like, like, and we've gone on very long on this, this first hand, but basically my thoughts are you don't have a lot of combinations of hands that check raise the flop. So like you're limited, right? You, you probably have backdoor hearts, the combo draws and sets, right? Yes. Um, and ace-queen. And ace-queen. And I think the majority of that range wants to check the turn, personally. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, I, maybe it's may, like, I've, just instinctively, I, I, I could see myself having a very hard time checking like the 9-7 of hearts or clubs or whatever on this, on this turn or like the jack-10 of clubs or jack-10 of hearts even like on this turn, I would have trouble. <laughs> I would struggle to check it. Yeah, so villains just get to call you down. Right. And bluff catch with like all their ace queens easily. Yeah. Like king queen, ace queen. Okay, cool. Yeah. He's got all the backdoor hearts, all the clubs. Like this is just an easy call down. Yeah. Which I mean, may, may not be the worst. It may be okay. It may not be the worst if villains overfold. But I right. think like as far as like a good strategy, probably not the best. You're, you're just over, over bluffing massively. Yeah. But again, maybe that works out well if villains overfold massively. So for the podcast listener, we're going to wrap this hand up because it's, we've been at it for a while. Maybe we're out of practice. Maybe I'm out of practice. It's been a couple of weeks. <laughs> um, this hand, the complexity certainly increases as we get to 300 big blinds and it's much more difficult to, to play and build out good resilient strategies. Um, so my final thoughts is like I would just check the check range on the turn and check jam um, with probably my combo draws and my sets and just kind of go from there. But you do end up calling this and villain has the ace tray of clubs and we get pretty anticlimactic situation where you run it twice and you win one, you lose one. Yeah, that's. Do you win exactly or lose? What happened? Do you win the first one? I don't remember. Like, so we didn't tape. We didn't turn our hands over mm-hmm. until he he looked at me and he's like, "Do you want to run it twice?" And like, I was just like, "I was like, dude, I'm probably fucking dead here." Like, <laughs> <laughs> I don't I don't know if it matters, but like, yeah, fine. Let's like let's go twice. Yeah, and we go twice, and like he he makes a flush on one run out, and I 
you know, hold on the, on the other one. I don't remember which one went first. It didn't matter. Cause I didn't know what he had until we tabled our hands. I was just like, I just remember looking at his hand and then being like, being relieved. Chop. Yeah. Like kissing your sister. You're, <laughs> you're relieved to kiss your sister and chop it up. Okay. So we're going to take a break. We'll be back with second hand and hopefully it won't take as long as this one. <laughs> Stick around. Survived preflop boot camp. You've shot the fish in a barrel. Now, prepare yourself for the feeding frenzy. A comprehensive strategy for gutting every fish in your player pool. Data driven hero bluffs, light calldowns, and perfect value bets that are maximally designed to hurt some feelings. Feeding Frenzy. Available now at chasingpokergreatness.com slash feedingfrenzy. Okay, welcome back to this week's episode of Tactical Tuesday. Mr. John battling the live streets of Vegas during the WSOP since the first hand took unnecessarily long to break down Let's dive straight into this second hand. So break down the action for the podcast listener and the YouTube audience. So action folds around to the button, who is, a, uh, I think, pretty sure he's a pro. Definitely a reg. Uh, he opens to $40. Um, I am in the small blind with 10-8 of hearts. I three bet to $160. The big blind folds, and the uh, villain on the button calls the 160 uh, We go to a... Jack 10 8 rainbow flop. So I flop bottom two pair with my 10 8 of hearts. Uh, I just C bet the flop for one third. Um, so I make it $110. And this is where the hand starts getting kind of funky. The reg makes it $220. So he min raises. Mm-hmm. Wasn't expecting that, especially from this like profile of poker player. Um, I decide to just call. Uh, I mean, we're already in like super, we're kind of in like foreign territory for me already. So like, I don't know if you want to just like go into, oh, like, should we have a bet three bet range versus this size? Or like, you know, um, should we be thinking any deeper than, than just we probably flat should. Range? We probably should have a bet three bet versus range or else a flat donk range versus this bet. I think I don't love the possibility of villain having like all their king queens, all their ace queens, they're like nine tens, those hands that want to realize equity cheaply, just yeah. giving them a straight path to over realizing and investing the minimum here on the flop. So like basically I would consider calling the flop and leading the turn mm. um, or building out a bet three bet range. I guess, you know, your decision to start with a third is also sort of in question here as to, you know, sh- could we go larger? Should we be going more polarized here when we're out of position on the flop? I think that's another alternative path that we could have gone, but you know, we are where we're at right now. So. Yeah. I just like the last thing you said, I also very much agree with that. Like I think on these, on this type of flop playing like a big bet check strategy is totally uh, within reason. Um, this is just like the super simplified C bet strat, I guess, but Okay, yeah, I, I didn't consider uh, 
I don't know. I just don't consider leading turns and rivers or even flops like often enough, I think. And that's definitely something that I that did not cross my mind was just calling this bet and like leading a lot of turns. Um, yeah, I mean, so basically the way I think about calling and then leading is like you've got a hand that's like you don't really want to bet three bet, but you don't want the turn to go check check and you can yeah. get called by worse if you lead the turn. Yeah. And so like those are sort of the ingredients that lead me to the direction of just calling the flop and leading like deuce, trays, fours, five, six, sixes turns. Mm. Okay. <laughs> it's funny that you say those are turns that you, you're going to lead. So I call the 220 and the turn, I believe, is the <laughs> four well, of spades. The cards that don't significantly change the board. Right, right. Uh, I did not think about leading. I did not find the lead here. I was already probably still trying to recover from getting min raised on the flop. Um, <laughs> so I check and... Here's a question for you, though. Yeah. Like you said, you're trying to recover from getting been raised on the flop. Like, how many bets are left here? Like two? Yeah, two big ones. Yeah. So, I guess the reality of the like, you're out of position. Um, you're at risk. If villain just bets 700. Yeah. You call, and then on a blank river, and they jam, I assume you just call. Yeah. So like you're already at risk. So like I think checking here is something that is like pre-programmed to mm. make sure that you can like call down or protect your, you know, protect yourself and not prevent all the money from getting in. But right. I think the reality is all the money is at risk already. So like yeah. it doesn't matter if villain wants the money to go in, the money's going to go in. And so now it's just a matter of like thinking, how do we want the money to go in? What's the best way for the money to go in for us um, in this situation? That's really the priority and what, what our you know, thoughts and energy needs to be directed at. Okay. Like, even if I had thought that in game, like I think I might have checked turn a lot anyways thinking that like okay like when i have a hand like bottom two pair that isn't you know if i put the money in and all and and you know i get called like i'm not i'm not super happy about it so i i'm i feel like i would have just checked the turn anyways and thought that like okay the best way to get all the money in is to use his hand as like one of my strongest bluff, bluff catchers and have him at least like you know put in some money with with his bluffs so if Phil and Bet's turn and you have a set of jacks, queen nine, seven nine, sets of ten, sets of eights, like we're calling, we're check jamming. I assume calling. Like I just don't think I would have a check. Like I would just be super aware of the fact that like I just don't have I just don't think that I have enough bluffs that or any bluffs that want to check jam, especially versus like a kind of like a reasonable ish turn sizing that's so take all those hands that we just said yeah, and ask yourself, does it feel better leading the turn with those hands or check calling with those hands? Uh, so we had like straights and sets basically? Or the- yeah, top of range. So like jacks, 10, seven, nine, queen, nine. Uh, so like, I, I mean, that's so hard to, that's to like feel better in the, in the, in the sense of like, oh, like how, how do we, what's the, the best way to get all the money in? Like, just feel better. <laughs> feel better as in playing your range as yeah. a pure check call. So you're uh-huh. check calling everything or uh-huh. you're leading everything. 
Let's add in king queen and ace queen in there too. Okay, I I guess I would want to lead everything, but I I just like comfort wise, I would feel more comfortable check calling check calling everything. Yeah, and we, we could mix, but I do think that like that should be part of our strategy, especially like at these depths. But okay, anyway, mm -hmm. we're getting I'm bogging us down, but yeah, these these like man these these hands where you're so deep and like out of position, yeah, it's treacherous. It's they're hard to play. Uh, so you check villain mercifully checks for back. you checks back and you get a six of clubs river so looks like everything bricked out i don't know how yeah the six doesn't really change anything um there's 770 in the pot you got 2600 left tell me about your thoughts here um i thought that his the regs or the buttons range here is going to be a lot of jack x um maybe like you know everything up everything from like ace jack down to like whatever the weakest jack that he flats preflop it preflop is like maybe a hand like jack nine suited um i thought those are like that's like the biggest region of his range that uh would like min raise the <laughs> raise the flop and and then find a turn check back i thought that most of his bluffs would continue betting the turn. I also didn't think that most of his bluffs would pick like the min-raise sizing on the flop. Um, so yeah, I bet the river here thinking that I am uh, just trying to get value from some of his jack X. In the sizing choice? Um, yeah, it's pretty meaty, I guess, but I think again, like this is a spot where he min-raised me on the flop. I'm probably calling with close to all of my continuing range when it's a uh, min race. So I'm just going to get here with lots of hands that uh, feel like they have to bluff to try to get like, I don't know, some pair to fold. So I'm probably going to have like king queen. I'm definitely going to have like king queen, ace queen, ace king. Um, you know, maybe like I even turn a hand like sevens or nines into a bluff here um, that I just like see about the flop small for. Uh, so thinking that like that's sort of what my range is going to look like and that you know I can still I can uh hopefully get value from Jack X I decide to bet 500 into 770 okay so two thirds river oh. and villain is going to put the last bet in this another blind that I was very surprised to face similar to the other hand this is a spot where I mean like obviously getting min rates on the flop didn't expect that um, you know, turn check check was a little surprising as well, but this one was probably the spot that I was most shocked to shocked to see. Um, at this point, I I don't, I don't know if we've yeah. Let me stop you for a sec. I want to go through. So Jack ten eight was a flop. Turn was a four. Rivers a six. Yeah. Um, flop villain min raise. Turn went check check. John bet two thirds on river villain jams. This six of clubs river. So. All right, sorry, go ahead. And yes, it, it is pretty shocking to for villain to have a jam here on the river. Right. Yeah, I, I was just I was just like totally lost here. I didn't know I, I couldn't like even think of like what hands are reasonable for villain to play in this in this manner. Like what what would I expect to see? You know, if I called this spot a hundred times, like what 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 would I kind of be able to like make mark down his rage as in the situation? I couldn't think of one hand. Seven five of clubs? Or seven five of spades, maybe? I don't know. 
I mean, that's the only hand that like the six improves is like some sort of seven, five with a backdoor <laughs> seven, five of spades, clubs and diamonds. Maybe, I don't know, but that's, that's like it. I don't know for the value side. I mean, most of his value just naturally wants to a raise bigger on the flop and B bet the turn. So right. it's very hard for him to carve out a value raising range given that they want to raise bigger on the flop and wants to bet the turn as well. So like, I don't know. I mean, I probably just can't fold at the same time though. I I would have expected a lot of their bluffs, his bluffs to continue betting the turn. (laughs) Why? Although maybe not, you know, maybe it's like, Oh, that's what you do. Yeah. 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 That's probably what it is. It's like, you know, if you like turn the nut or, I don't know if you turn like some sort of combo draw with spades, you know, you check raise the flop with like eight, nine of, of spades or something like that. Um, like you said, like getting jammed on would be pretty miserable. So like checking back in position to make sure that you don't get jammed on, I guess makes some sense. And like, maybe he turns some of those hands into bluffs, like a hand, like eight, nine. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. It's just like, it was also like just so hard for me to give credit, like give someone credit for being able to bluff in this, in this line. Like, it's just so wacky and so out there. And, like, you know, one of the things that we've talked about on, on previous Tactical Tuesdays is that, like, it's easy to find the wacky line with value, and it's, like, way tougher to take that line, the wacky line, as a bluff, um, just knowing that it looks super weird and, you know. Well, your yeah, range like, is, like, polarized on the river. So that's what makes it quite odd is, like, you, you have a polarized range. So, like, if Villain has a pair, they can just call like eight, nine of spades. That's why like eight, nine of spades doesn't make a lot of sense because like if you have a pair that you're, they're just going to call because like you beat ace queen and you beat king queen. So why jam, um, with those hands? Yeah. I mean, it it is a ridiculous spot. I think there is one, one point that needs to be discussed and that's, there's, there's a disconnect here because like you're trying to figure out like how you would play these hands. Yeah. 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 But we're facing a min raise a turn check back and then a jam versus a polarized bet. So the reality is this is not a strategy that I would imagine you've ever used in your entire life. Yeah. So, you know, trying to get into his head is like, is just very difficult, right? It's very difficult to try to get into his head. And And I think like, well, what I would fall back on would be like, what hands do I have that are incentivized to call? Um, we have seven nine probably. Sets of jacks, sets of tens. I don't think I ha- I don't have seven nine. Okay, yeah, so my three bet yeah. Jacks and tens and eight. I think sets are like the strongest hands that I that I have. Mm-hmm. Um, Two pair. Jack queen 10. nine suited, maybe. Yeah, if you have queen nine suited, and I mean this is another point of discussion too, right? Like, oh, we don't have seven nine. Villain has seven nine. Yeah. We've got sets. We've got two pair. We've got our over pairs. Don't know if we have queen nine. Villain probably has queen nine and seven nine in full. Yeah. So that's like eight combos that start making things problematic from just the point of like betting the flop starting yeah. there. Right. So in conclusion, I don't really know what to do here on the river. I mean, I, I would probably just call and reload. Like I, I think I don't like having an eight. I really don't like, I, I would rather have a jack like I, I would rather have, yeah, like Jack Nine, even than this. 
Yeah, I mean, Jack-9 clearly is going to block Queen-9 and 7-9. I don't think they have 7-9 or Queen-9, though. Like, I don't, I don't think those hands are, like... Checking the turn or min-raising the flop. Neither, it doesn't align. Right. I, yeah. I think, like... Yeah, I think I don't know what the hell they have. Yeah, this is my, this is exactly... I was like, well, they don't check the turn with the straights, so, like, what... What if... What if... Well... What does he have? Yeah, if I call, like, what would I? Ex- what should I expect to see? Like, what about if king I lose, nine? like, what should I expect to lose to? If I... Ace nine and king nine. Ooh, those hands actually make some sense. They don't okay. beat ace queen and king queen. Yeah. Yeah. Oh man, that'd be so insane if you just picked ace nine and king nine and he's like, "Yep, I'm gonna min raise the flop," and he's not gonna be able to fold. Like, I don't anything. think it happens like that. <laughs> I don't think the strategy is planned from the flop. I think it's just they raise the flop, they check back the turn, you bet two-thirds on the river, and now they find themselves on the river with ace-nine or king-nine and think, oh, cool. This is, a, this is a cool hand to jam with because I block the straights and put their bluff catchers in quite the predicament. I think like that's the sequence of events. It's not like, I'm going to min raise the turn so that or min raise the flop so that on blank turns I'm going to check back and then I'm going to raise a polarized bet like they don't have the information of what's going to come on the turn and what you're going to do on the turn and river yeah that's true most actions like this happen spontaneously in the moment yeah as it, more information gets realized so I don't know basically I'm going to circle back I've changed my mind flip flop four or five times at this point I would just call the river. It's hard to find value. And I don't know. If it's hard for me to find value, then I just start getting suspicious villains are over bluffing. But oh, uh, I wish I had come to that same conclusion. So I, I, I tanked for a little while and then <laughs> ended up folding and uh, talked to him at, like right after the hand. Like he sort of just asked me if I folded aces and, and, uh, I said no, and he said that he had ten six of spades, and he was like, "Oh shit! If you could be aces, I I probably just went like way too thin for value on the river." And then even after he said that, I was like, "Oh, you might still have a better hand than mine, honestly." Um, but then he said he had ten six, and that was pretty devastating. But a hand that I would never have expected him to. I mean, I don't know if I could have ever come to that conclusion myself. So, or if he's even telling the truth. So I don't know. 10 six of spades like why why <laughs> i mean if that's the case that's the case i don't really know um i don't get the min raise live poker sounded like he things. thought he was valued jamming the river versus an overpair yeah the problem is like defending the three bet with a 10 and a six and then raising men on the flop with a 10 and a six i think i don't really care about the river like the fact that you have a hand in your range that the six improves is more than enough for me <laughs> to be like, what the fuck just happened? Oh, yeah, I mean, that, that was me after the hand, for sure. <laughs> well, you win some, you lose some, sir. It's good to have you back. And yeah, these are interesting hands. And I think we need to, if we're going to do live poker breakdowns, maybe we just need to do one hand an episode. These hands are quite yeah. complex and lengthy. I did not expect these hands to to take this long for sure. But yeah, like you said, I mean, 300 big blinds is, does make every decision more difficult. Yep, exponentially more difficult. And oh. with that said, thank you for your time and your energy. And one thing left to say, 
See you next week. Thanks for listening to Chasing Poker Greatness. You can subscribe on Apple Podcasts or on your favorite podcast app. Go to ChasingPokerGreatness.com to get the newsletter. Join the Greatness Village community, book a coaching session, or dive into the latest data-driven poker courses. Follow the show on Twitter at CPG Podcast.